0: Well, everyone, welcome to another episode of Faithfully Engaged. I'm really happy to uh, have Dr. Mark McNear here today. And before we get into this really good discussion, um, just wanted to have him introduce himself uh, to to the audience. So, Dr. um, Mark McNear, why don't you kind of tell the crowd crowd about you a little bit?
1: I'd be glad to, Johnny. I am uh, an author. I am a speaker and my primary job is being a psychotherapist. I live in uh Northwest New Jersey.
0: Great. Great. And I I was uh talking to just off camera for a little bit. I I was really trying uh my best to make this book which is uh his book Finding Finding My Words. Uh trying to make it look nice and professional. And I was I I did read it and we we're going to get into that discussion. And I was going to take it off during the interview and look through parts but it's not held together very well back there, so it's going to stay static. <laughs> but uh, I'll, I'll include a, a link to the book in the description and everything. and I, I'd highly suggest everyone to check it out because it is a great story. And kind of leading into that, let us let's, let's start with um not so much into the book, which we'll we'll get there. Um, but let's just talk a little bit about your being a psychotherapist and everything. What led you to to get into that? Like just tell a little bit of that story
1: sure i was um i was in bible college and i was originally going to be a pastor and then uh, i think it was the third year in bible college i was getting ready to be married and so there was a lot of things that i felt like i needed to work on coming from the background that i came from and so i had gone to a counselor and i found how helpful that was and so i really felt called after that to become a counselor and so I finished up the pastoral track at the college and then spent longer there in uh, psychology. I did a minor in psychology there and then went on after that to NYU and then to um, subsequent training after that. Great.
0: Yeah. I, I always enjoy when I talk with uh, another clinician, just, just hearing that story. Uh, I think we all have different paths, um, but Those motivations behind why you get there, um, uh, they they really help fuel your work for sure. Let's kind of get a little bit, I I don't want to go too in-depth into the book all at once, but since we do have it presented here and we really want to get into it, would you mind giving just a uh, kind of a brief overview of what this book is, is about? Somebody that's just looking at it on on. Screen sure, there. But, what, what's what's actually, it
1: about? Actually, that's a picture of me when I was five years old. Wow. <laughs> so, that's a, wow. a picture of me in kindergarten. So, um, the book is, is about a journey that I started uh, about eight years ago. And um, I, I have been encouraged to write this story. And it was really hard story to write. But um, about eight years ago, I found myself going into rehab for substance abuse and then um, finding out just how much trauma. I had in my childhood and not having the words to be able to talk about a lot of the things that had happened to me. And so little by little in the counseling that I had and the encouragement that I had from my wife and my daughter and my son-in-law, uh, I have been able to, to heal greatly from the trauma that I had. And, you know, as I, as I was progressing through, uh, different counselors would comment to me, you know, you really need to tell your story. And I was like, there's no way I'm telling my story. That began actually, Johnny, that began in rehab where, you know, therapists and other patients would say, tell me, tell me your story. And and I was like, you know, I didn't have the emotional wherewithal to be able to do it. And not only that, I didn't have the words to be able to do it. So, so the book talks about that journey. Uh, The beginning part is about being in rehab. The second part of the book is about uh, complex trauma that I experienced Childhood, and then the last part of the book is is uh, really uplifting about the hope that that I have in Jesus Christ, and and just all of the things that the Lord has done in my life in the last eight years. Yeah,
0: Uh, and that's something that um, went my process through reading the book. It. it it's really interesting that first part because it. it I, I was telling my wife when I was reading it, it's kind of like when you're watching a movie and there's this big scene that happens, and you're like, oh my gosh, what's going to happen next? And then it takes you back to the past. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and, and that's really how this book is written. And I, uh, I'll, I'll, you know, I don't want to, uh, certainly you use too many words here cause these are your words, but uh definitely that second part. And you even wrote about it. It's, it's intense. Uh, it's, mm-hmm. it's very intense. And that's what I was saying off camera that so many books and, and experiences, things like that on trauma, they seem to stop there. They they just stop at the bad, mm-hmm. but this book doesn't, that there's yeah. that hope at, at the end there. Um, I, you know, that, I was going to ask this maybe a little bit further down, but as I was talking about that, this came to my mind. Um, where in that journey throughout this, this story, um, where did your faith in Christ really really first pop up throughout your whole life story?
1: You know, I, I one of the things I talk about in the book is the car accident that I had. And so I was about 19 years old. I got hit head on by a drunk driver and ended up in the hospital for a, about a month, a little bit over a month and had a lot of injuries. And so after that I started searching and, uh, actually I think that the Lord started searching me out and, and, and just putting people in my pathway and putting books and things like that. And I started reading a book, uh, by Norman Vincent Peale, The Power of Positive Thinking. (laughs) And then, you know, from there, you know, as I read that book, you know, it talked about getting a Bible and going to church. You know, it talked about underlining passages in in Scripture. And I did that, and then I went to church. And I can remember it was a um, Saturday night that they had a special service, and they had a guy um, come in, and he spoke about going the second mile. And he gave an invitation to Jesus Christ at the end of it. And um, I wasn't totally aware of what I was doing, but I, you know, went forward and then felt the call after that to go into Bible college shortly after that. Yeah, Uh,
0: that that was something that really struck me with, um, I can't remember exactly where this was even written. In fact, I think it was written in in multiple places, but that you spoke to how God was calling me. It it wasn't, boy, I just woke up one day and I'm, I got it all figured out. It's, I'm I'm perfect. No, he was searching. On the, on the addict side of things, um, I I think, especially after hearing, Oh, well, I found Christ. um, Well, if you found Christ, then we're not—we don't have any more problems anymore, right? Like we don't deal with issues. So, <laughs> Clear, what, clearly, clearly, not. <laughs> so, speak a little bit more into that of what that path of addiction uh, looked like, and kind of what led you to to get some help.
1: Yeah, sure, I'd be glad to. Um, I had gone when I was at New York University training. I had gone to a psychiatrist because I was really struggling a lot with anxiety and depression. And I was diagnosed at that time too, probably misdiagnosed with ADHD. Um, but I um, was given medication and the medication you know, immediately made me feel different. It made me feel calmer, it made me feel more relaxed you know, the problem with that, that was wonderful. (laughs) But the problem with that is, it didn't last. And so I would need to take more to get to the point of feeling that relaxed feeling in my body. And so I was really trying to outrun the trauma that I had experienced in my childhood, the complex trauma that I had had experienced in my childhood. So um, what had happened was that through the years, I just took more and more medication to be able to cope with the trauma that I carried inside of me, you know, and I I was still going to church and I talk about that. And then I wasn't going to church for a while, you know, um, things really fell apart for me, but you know, that's the message that I wanted to bring forth in the book is sometimes when things fall apart, that's when the Lord is moving into the situation and bringing bringing forth restoration.
0: That that's a really good point. Um, Something that we've been th- this book we studied at at my church recently, and something I really have been encouraging uh, just all sorts of people in my life to to do. We were reading this book called "Reading um, Reading the Bible," or hmm. sorry, "Praying the Bible." Praying and the Bible. okay, and it 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 is what it is. It, it's talking about praying through through Scripture and specifically the Psalms. And what made me think of that when you were saying that there is. The Psalms are filled with lamentations. I mean, there are—sometimes we forget about it, but the, some of these were written when the Israelites were in exile. I mean, it was, it was bad. And we often think as Christians kind of the, you know, how, how great God is, and we have the salvation, and yes, we should. we We should absolutely have that joy, no doubt. But at the same time, there are some rough things that happen. Um, and when you're talking about your complex trauma, you didn't ask for any of those. You, you, they they happened, though. And I think that's something that we can do as, a, as Christians and also as clinicians to really point to where, okay, th- those complex traumas, those issues I've dealt with, I can't run away from them. I can acknowledge them. And as a Christian, I can acknowledge them to Christ. And that is not a sign of weakness. That's actually what, what we're called to do. Um, so since kind of going back into the, the rehab period, um, what would you say your process like that is as far as recognizing these issues and actually acknowledging them to, to Christ? How, what was that process like for you?
1: You know, I think that, and I, and I wrote some of this in the book. One of one of the stories that I, that I talk about in the book is, uh, when I was four years old, my dad had, um, forced me to eat carrots at the dinner table. I ended up, uh, vomiting and he got very angry and picked me up and threw me in the garbage. And so, um, you know, I talk about in the book, fast forward from four years old to late twenties, my wife and I are, are um, at a wedding and there's steak and there's potatoes and and there's carrots. And, and I didn't even Johnny, I didn't even think anything of it. And so I take my fork and I stab it into the carrot and I bring it up and (sighs) I take a bite and immediately I start to gag, you know, so it, so it has been, um, things like that, that I've noticed triggers, things from the past or not the past when they come up in the present, you know, unresolved things. You know, another thing I don't talk about in the book, but I I found this really interesting, is that um, when my dad would come home, you know, I would get very anxious as as a child, but I would know that he got home because the garage, that he was coming home because the garage door was going up. So now you fast forward to being married for, for quite a few years and we move into our one house and it has garage doors with electric garage doors. And so when my wife comes home from, from work, from, from school, uh, where she works, the garage door goes up and my heart begins to pound and I feel this sense of dread, you know, so I wanted to write about my process of being able to, to backtrack in so many areas and pick up on triggers that I found in my body, you know, that I would feel panicked in my body and I wouldn't know why, but then as I would backtrack or, or I would have a counselor help me or just reassure me that there's something there going on, you know, I've been able to put quite a few of those together.
0: It's so interesting, I think, and especially in today's culture um, where terms like Trigger, trigger warning th- things like that they're, they're thrown around so much in popular culture that um i think that's one of the the problems with that is it really loses some of its meaning mm-hmm. when it's just spread so much but that is exactly what that is you weren't it you're you're eating that dinner you're you're not oh man let, let's think about childhood trauma like that's not that was not at the top of your mind at all but it's it's immediate it's just right there um I've had a similar experience. It's not a not a traumatic one, but just a where did that come from type of moment where I was in Walmart. This has been several years ago, and my grandma had died at that point, maybe a year or two prior. Um, and it was it was sad, but I wasn't like still really distraught or anything like that. So it wasn't on the top of my mind. And I'm just walking through Walmart and this older lady walks by and bam, she had the same perfume that my grandma had and yeah. there we go. That now I'm thinking about grandma. There's those emotions. Absolutely. So it's just that same thing but when it comes to trauma it can be that much more intensive. Um I I did want it's just something that you've been talking about um I realize we understand what this is, but maybe just to go a little bit more detail, um, with the audience, when you say complex trauma, um, would you mind kind of going a little bit more in depth of of what complex trauma
1: means? Not at all. So when we look at trauma, when we look at PTSD, we're looking at an individual who has suffered an incident in their life that has caused trauma and has caused traumatic symptoms in in their life. When we, when we look on the other hand at, um, complex trauma, we're looking at a series of events that have happened in chapters four, five and six of the mm-hmm. book, you know, where it's one incident after the next incident, after the next, kind of like, I, I, I say this to clients when I'm working with clients, you know, it's kind of like picture with PTSD that there's one pancake on the plate. And it, it's it, it's severe, the, like I'm not negating the effect of that. But w- with complex, it's it's multiple pancakes stacked up over a period of time you know so it's so it's where it's uh one event after another after another and you know in my childhood and i talk about this a little bit i, di- I didn't really get a chance to catch my breath until i was in rehab <laughs> at 55 years old yeah
0: now I, I really like that example um because yeah you have one specific event um bad car wreck or uh, caught in a tornado or wh- whatever it may be Again, issue. No doubt. Um, like you said, we don't want to negate that, but it's pretty easy to conceptualize. This is the problem. This is what I need to work through.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: For you. I mean, now we're talking about carrots and stuff <laughs> like that's it's, you can't just sit there and have, Oh, this is all I got to do and I'll get, I'll get over it. Um, and that's the kind of line of thinking that I know we we went kind of the other way for a little bit of um, be, just being stuck in trauma, which we don't want that either. We we want that hope on the other side. But could you speak a little bit more on the other side? And and I see this some um, um, particularly in in some Christian circles. Well, that was your childhood. Like you're an adult now. Let's move on. Let's move past that. Don't. Don't let, let the past be the past. What, mm-hmm. what would you say in a situation like that? Why, is that? why is that flawed thinking to think like that?
1: Well, I think that there's a couple of things that right away come to my mind, Johnny. One thing is that the past is never the past when it's coming up in the present. So if I'm sitting there and I'm looking at carrots and I'm getting ready to eat a carrot and I'm gagging, obviously the past is affecting it. You know, I, I think that a lot of times we don't like to deal with pain. And so we would rather, you know, give a verse or something like that and say, move along. Aren't you trusting God fully? And it has nothing to do with that. It has to do with the fact that God has created us with bodies and that, and w- with uh, just incredible brains that are um, impacted when things go wrong, when there are traumatic things, whether it be physical abuse or whether it be sexual abuse, whether it be verbal or emotional abuse, and and it is really important for us to go back in time to look at how that impacted that person. There's, I I think when you you ask that, one one of the scriptures that came to my mind in Genesis, where uh, Abraham and Sarah had kicked Hagar out into the wilderness, Mm -hmm. and so she's out in the wilderness and the angel of the Lord comes to her and, and asks this just incredible question, where have you come from and where are you going mm. you know and the idea is a lot of times we can't really navigate going forward unless we look at where we've come from and how that's impacted us and I, I definitely that was one of the reasons why i wanted to write the book is because i fell greatly and it was because so much because of the things that i was not aware of in my life that that was impacting me mm.
0: That, that that's a I really like the the scripture that you use there and kind of using that as uh, some of the wisdom there that yeah we don't want to be stuck in the past because the past has happened mm-hmm. but you're right that that's something that as Christians we need to know that it's not just oh emotions are you're, you're weak to show emotions or whatever like who Who created those emotions absolutely uh, who created this sense that I, I, in your case um you definitely see some of those attachment type of issues that God made us in a way to be dependent on our parents and I can look at my kids and I know that I make mistakes I know that, but I also know that. After I make a mistake or whatever, my kid's upset, that then they come up and hug me later because we have that attachment. And when you're not getting that from your caregivers, that doesn't just affect you because that child um, that grows into an adult is weak. It's because sin was involved, some maybe from the individual, but more so just in that environment. We, We live in a sinful world. So to just expect to get over it uh that that's not the way that god made us in that way so mm-hmm. so with that um somebody that um is either maybe not necessarily has complex trauma but is just dealing with hardship in their life they're a christian they believe in, in christ what do they do did, did did they just sit there and think about the past all the time like what what can they do to to
1: help work i through think that? um that's such a great question, Johnny. Uh, I think the idea, and, and I talk about this also in the book, those one another's, you know, to be able to go to others and to talk to others, especially people have been that have gone through the same types of situations and, and have overcome in those areas. Also, you and I would, you know, advocate for our profession, you know, to go seek counseling or go go into some therapy, you know, get some help. There's there's nothing wrong with. You know, leaning on others to get help and to get wisdom and to get insight.
0: I, I think that's another key point too. That, um, uh, especially as Christians, we need to recognize that we're we're not this lone island, and Absolutely. that that is not just a, um, a a cultural thing or whatever. But it's it's the way that we're made. And and if you think about the church. If it was truly just me and God, um, I know some, some people have kind of used that terminology, I, I don't need church, I just got my own religion, basically, I, it's just me, me and God. Uh, there's pretty clear mandates that we're supposed to to be around other believers, to have that community. And if you think of Jesus himself, you think he, you think he really needed those disciples? No, no he, he didn't need them, but he had them anyways. So... It is kind of arrogant of us if we look at it, that if I need help and like, no, 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 let, I'm just, I don't need any help. I'm, I'm good. Um, mm-hmm. That's not the way we were created. And yeah, I,
1: I think of the verse, bear one another's burdens and fulfill mm-hmm. the law of Christ. Or, you know, another one just came to my mind is confess your sins to one another that you may be healed. Yes. Yes. So important.
0: I wrote a, a recent blog article talking about um, just kind of generic depression and, and Christianity. And I know that oftentimes we get stuck on just talking about confessing sins. Okay, what did I do wrong here? And now, granted, in that post, I mentioned if you have legitimate sin that you have not confessed, then we need to do that. Confess mm-hmm. it to Christ. Confess yeah. it to to your wife, to your peers, whatever. Um, but if it's not a individual sin component, I am not following something that I that I should be. Sin is still impacting what's going on. It just may not necessarily be your individual sin. It's just again, we live in a sinful world. Your yeah. childhood yeah. was the product, was the fruit of sin, mm-hmm. not. Not just you. Um in right. fact most of this was not you, but sin is definitely there. So I guess with with us, um just kind of thought of this too. We can really communicate this in a um in a biblical language, um, because I think it just really fits so nicely. What about people that don't have faith? Um, I, I think we would both agree that ultimately that full hope is. Um, can't really be there um, with without Christ, but how could how could you communicate this type of growth uh, from complex trauma to somebody that doesn't share our faith?
1: Well, you know, we were talking a little bit about some of the symptoms, and and I put down some of the symptoms. I, I thought we could go over those a little bit, and you know, just if if people would first even become aware that some of these things are are signs, you know, together of trauma or complex trauma and then to be able to go seek seek help you know things like mood dysregulation issues with depression sadness uh, anxiety or anger where they just have a hard time regulating their mood throughout the day Uh, nightmares or sleep interruption is very common with trauma people who've been traumatized as a result of that fatigue and tiredness You know, a big one, Johnny, as you know, is feelings of shame or guilt, worthlessness, just not being worth or or good enough. Mm -hmm. Uh, Relationship issues, codependency, a sense of emptiness or or loneliness, just like a chronic feeling of loneliness. Um, Physical symptoms like chronic pain, headaches is a big one for people who've been traumatized. You know, um, difficulty in trusting others, fearful. Fearful of others, understandably, you know, because of being hurt so much. Uh, hypervigilance, always being on the outlook or look out for danger. Um, unwanted behaviors, things that you can't understand, things that you do that you just don't understand, you don't want to be doing, but you're still doing them. Um, lack of memories of the past is a big one holes in your memory and i i I have had a lot of those and i still have those but not as many after going through this process and addiction's a big one big 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 one is addictions you know whether we're talking about process addictions like things like uh gambling or shopping um pornography or masturbation things like that or whether you're talking about substance addictions where it's either uh, with me prescription medications and sometimes alcohol you know, sometimes food can be an addiction for people, you know, so just even going over that list and kind of saying like, where do I stand with those things? Because, you know, if you have a few of those on the list, it might be worth going and looking into, to getting help.
0: Yeah, No, I, I think that's a, that's a great place to start. Mm-hmm. Um, everybody's traumatic experience, if they, if they have one, is going to be different. Um mm-hmm. it, we all experience different symptoms. We might go through the same situation and have different that's outcomes, um, but we need to pay attention. Um, that's something that I, it's you know I, every book I read now that I, since I've become a dad, I, I read through a different lens because I hmm. I look at my my children in it, and when I'm reading your story and just seeing the the personality changes um uh, all the clear signs that for me mm-hmm. on the outside looking in I'm like goodness yeah it's clear as day he, he, he's going through this um and I'm thinking of, of my role as a parent I want to do the best I can to try to prevent any type of uh, uh, abuse or trauma happening to my kids but I also recognize I can't Fully prevent that um I, I can certainly put them in a safer situation but you know life happens and, and i can't fully predict against that what i can do is help prepare them and for me being an observer that i know like my daughter is uh super fun loving smiling making jokes singing if she was to come in the next day um she went out with friends or something the next day and she's solemn and doesn't sing at all. She's super serious. She's crying all the time. I like to think anyways, that I would be able to pick up on that because yeah, yeah. I, I see her. So that that's something too. And maybe you can speak a little bit more into this as family members that maybe they're not going through anything, but they're concerned about their kids or their, their spouse or whoever. Um, can you speak more into the how loved ones can be able to to help those that heath, have either experienced trauma or might in the future.
1: Yeah, and and I think you said it beautifully, you know, that idea of awareness, you know, knowing family members, knowing their temperaments, you know, watching for any changes that come about for no no uh clear reason. You know, and I think that, you know, in this world, you know, there's different levels of trauma, but we all go through trauma. You know we live in a sinful world so you know we're talking about you know little t traumas compared to big t traumas and and i i think that both of those are really important and just to be aware of family members is really really important and to be be aware of what's going on in your body yeah i
0: yeah, oh, there's really there's different layers there. Um, I, I recently spoke at my, uh, my chamber of commerce, uh, last week and that morning before I I went up there, um, little nervous. Um, but I didn't sit there and think, Oh my gosh, what all is I'm, I'm being triggered. What's all going on. I'm nervous because I'm speaking in front of a hundred people. Like that's, that's to be expected. Um, but that's fundamentally different than i'm in a situation that normally doesn't make me nervous i'm eating carrots you know i love i love that example there's there's no reason for me to feel this way why, why? what what's going on here awareness so not just with other people but it sounds like what you're saying too of yourself your your own body your own cues um you, you can't just afford to act like nothing's going on when when something really is going on
1: exactly you know and you and i were talking about the the idea too of you know all of these symptoms or all of these uh things that manifest themselves and then how to counterbalance that you Mm -hmm. know and and so i thought we could talk a little bit about that yeah again put through together a list of things some of these things that i do on a daily basis and and you know i always tell clients when i'm dealing with clients i want you to build a toolbox of self-care and techniques that work for you, they might not work for me, but that doesn't matter. If they work for you, that's that's the important thing. You know, things like walking or exercise, especially for people who've been traumatized, really, really important. Uh, talking with a friend, connecting with others, doing breathing, breath work can be really helpful in calming the body down when someone's been traumatized. Uh, mindfulness exercises. I do a lot of coloring in the morning just to calm myself down. You know, drawing is really important. Another one is journaling, you know, journaling your thoughts and feelings. And, you know, if you want to share them with somebody, somebody that's safe. Yeah. That's the key finding somebody that's safe that will be able to hear and not criticize, you know, what you're thinking and what you're feeling. Uh, Playing with putty, (laughs) worry stones. I have a client, I got permission to share this one since she was a little girl. She would just roll with her. She had a lot of trauma in, in her childhood. She would just roll her fingers uh, first with a pillowcase to calm her body down. And then she, she um, came up with the idea of using a string or a cord to do that. And to this day, she still does it. But it helps her to regulate the anxiety that she's feeling or experiencing. Playing with animals a big one. Uh, listening to music or singing. I have a client that, you know, whenever he's feeling really dysregulated, he'll say, you know what, what really helps me is singing. So he'll spend some time singing. Hobbies, uh, praying and, of course, praying and interacting with the Word of God. So important. Um, Meditating. Uh, Going outside, spending some time outside. Uh, We mentioned already like counseling or therapy would be really, really helpful for somebody who has had trauma. Doing body scans and just noticing, and we alluded to that, just noticing in your body wh- where the uncomfortable feelings are. Not trying to get rid of it, just noticing where it is. Really, really helpful. Um, reading, if the person can read and concentrate. Um, and just building a lot of self-care.
0: Yeah, and and I love that language. I, I- I think I use this on occasion too with some of my clients of that that toolbox analogy. Absolutely, because that's what it is. That these are tools. I it's it's funny with you saying that too. Um, I I tell my clients all the time that hey, journaling can be a fantastic outlet. Really can, and I always add the caveat and say while well, I. Everything I just said, I agree with. I stand behind. But I'll let you know, I actually personally don't have a journal. Um, the way that I really help process through things is I'm, I'm always been a pretty good internal processor. So I'm just always thinking. So if I go and take a walk and I'm thinking through those things throughout the day, that's kind of my version of a journal. Um, it, it's functioning the same way, but I'm not writing that out. But my wife... She does so much better if she has that pen to paper. It's, she's not as much of an internal processor like that. So that really helps her get that out. And that's the beauty of this is you find what works for you. I know you communicated it in that way and then just do it. And I, I, I like to constantly talk about, too, and, and I'm curious of your thoughts on this, of I'll say some of these concepts. Um, when it comes to either trauma work or just in general, they're really not that complicated. Like it's not that difficult to understand, but that's fundamentally different than it being easy. Just because something isn't all that super complicated and you need a PhD to be able to figure it out, doesn't mean that it's easy to do. So what? why do you think that is? Something such as just going for a walk? There's nothing hard about that. Why can that be so difficult for somebody that has dealt with trauma to do a, a
1: seemingly that's, simple task. That's, that's such a great question. I think you know a verse comes to my mind, and it it's in Romans. Uh, Paul writes it in chapter two and verse four. It is the kindness of God that leads to change. And I think that for people who have been traumatized, there they have not experienced a lot of kindness and they're not really good at being kind to themselves or compassionate to themselves. Sometimes, sometimes people say to me, Oh no, no, I can't do that. That's selfish, you know, or, you know, I I need to put other people before myself, but you know what? Sometimes you need to put yourself, you know, with self care, you need to put yourself first so that you can take care of others and do a really good job with that.
0: Uh, I I just recently had a, a another blog. It was actually based off a, a last word segment on a previous podcast, but it was talking about humility, and it was really taking the same type of concept. Um, I never can remember. I, I need to look it up of where this quote came from, but um, it's talking about humility being that you you're thinking of yourself less, not thinking less of yourself of yourself, yeah. And, and that that's such a huge difference you have to know because mm-hmm. if i if it's all about me in every single little situation then okay that there probably is some selfishness that's coming in there but beating yourself up saying how terrible you are that's not being humble that you're just you're just talking bad about yourself but yourself is still there so the reverse comes true when you actually do healthy things you're going. You're exercising. You're eating right. Uh, you're you're praying. You're going to church. Doesn't mean your life is perfect, but things are probably going to go better. Better. And guess what? When things are going better, you're not thinking of yourself as much. You're able to think about other people. So, exactly. Yeah. That that is a huge part, point. That again, this isn't just Christians that think that or struggle with that, but I think Christians especially because we have some of that language of putting others above us, um, of putting Christ above us, and there's great beautiful wisdom in that but we need to be careful about functionally of what we're really doing with that because if it's just beating myself up yeah that that's that's really not working out in our favor by doing it that way Uh, what are some other things i know we've talked about a lot of uh just fundamentally great things in in your story um and I certainly don't want to give every little detail out because we want we want people to read this, and, and in fact, it just comes out better when you're able to to read it, anyways. But what other things do you think uh, listeners might really think would be impactful from either just your story as a whole or specifically from the book?
1: You know, you know, Johnny, I, I think I I wrote the book so that I could demonstrate um, and show a picture of somebody who really fell greatly, who made a mess of their lives. Uh, but by the grace of God, got back up. And I now have the privilege of being able to share with others what I've learned. You know, I, I, I you had alluded to the fact, and we talked about it before we were on, you know, it's not an easy book to read. You know because there is a lot of abuse There's sexual abuse and there's physical abuse and there's emotional abuse and there's verbal abuse um but but i just think that um so many people encouraged me to write the book because the childhood my childhood was so strange in so many ways you know uh from armed robberies and you know sexual abuse and digging holes in the wall to uh with for my dad, I'll, I'll say this, uh, my dad gave us forks and knives and spoons and had us dig out a room downstairs so that he could hide uh, valuables and money and things like that, you know. So I think that um, I wanted to write it because, it, it, like I said, I, I thought it was a unique book about trauma. And I, I tried the other thing I wanted to be is really vulnerable in it mm. and, and to put a, put away my therapist hat <laughs> until the end, at least. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and really just talk about this guy that really got beat up in a lot of ways and was having panic attacks and, and rehab and, and felt like crawling out of his skin and, you know, um, had some really neat people come alongside me and really helped me to learn my story and help me to be able to tolerate that story in my body you know, I can remember getting out of rehab and, and some days just being like really like shaking. My body would shake as I would think about the things that happen, you know, and now I can talk about them with relative ease, you know. So, um, you know, that's the story. I think somebody who is really fortunate to have really uh, had a God walk with him through, you know, the valley. And 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 to come out the other side, and I, you know, and I also, as as I progress in the book, I I didn't want to be like, okay, I went through rehab, I processed this trauma, and everything's good now. Mm-hmm. You know, I have days filled with depression, I have days filled with anxiety, I have flashbacks. They've they've lessened, but but I have flashbacks. So I just wanted to make it something that was like this guy's journey, and it's been a really good journey. I have a great marriage. My my wife Debbie is just phenomenal. I have um my daughter emily and and her uh, husband uh, brandon Emily and Brandon they I just can't tell you how supportive they've been in my journey, and so that has been and also so many good friends that I've had that have been key in helping me. so it really takes a lot of people to you know to to, yeah. to have safe people though people that can hear how much you're struggling struggling and sit with you.
0: I'll tell you as you're you're kind of going through just the the people that are obviously so important to you. Um I'll I'll admit when I read books, I'm usually not great at uh either reading some of the, the forewords or this book is in you know honor of blah blah blah. Um I'll tell you I did for years though, and I'm so glad that I did. That almost it almost enhanced the story that much more because when i'm reading it i like i intellectually understand that you're a real person and and this is your story but i'm i'm reading it more like a novel like it's this is this is the character and the story it's kind of the hero of the story um that goes through all sorts of issues um throughout the time um and reading those acknowledgments that took me back into it's like, oh yeah, like those other characters he was talking about in there, they weren't made up. That's not fictional. Th- those are real people. Um yes. So I yes. I you could just sense the importance of uh of these people in your life throughout just those acknowledgments that I, I know you had that thing with uh with the the doctor in your rehab, which clearly yeah. was a monumental person in your life. So I yeah, think you could still, just really tell that importance throughout the you writing hey, of the book too.
1: Yeah. And Johnny, I'm still in touch with him today.
0: Can you, are we, can you hear me?
1: I can hear you. Can you hear me?
0: Yeah. Sorry. It was something weird happened there.
1: Okay. Okay. I, th- I think we're good though. <laughs> okay. But what I was saying is I'm still in touch with that doctor today. Okay. Yeah. great
0: great um yeah i think you just kind of cut out there for a little bit cuz i didn't hear that part um but yeah that I, I i think that um that was very well clearly communicated in in the book which i just think is just so neat um to see that that passion uh of how important these people are and and that's what i wanted to communicate too as as we discussed here and everything that um i mentioned that you know fictional type of uh Book in my mind when I'm reading it, and uh, talked about you being the hero. Um, certainly, don't want to communicate that uh, that you're like, oh, you know, I'm I'm perfect. I I made it to the other <laughs> side. No no arrows. Uh,
1: I, I I limp daily,
0: <laughs> and I I do think you did a, a good job of actually saying who the hero was. So that that yeah. hey, I I wouldn't be able to make this without without my faith in Christ. Uh, I, I think you did a really good job of of
1: communicating that. Thank you. I hope so, because that's the message. Yes.
0: Okay. Um, one other quick thing, and this is really more so for, for my benefit. I didn't have this planned. Um, I was just curious as a clinician, um, I, I know when I was trained that it was kind of one of those like, nobody told me absolutely couldn't ever do any self-disclosure, but it was like, hey, be careful. We, we don't want to make the session about you. Have you found yourself being able to self disclose some of this story with some of your clients, or do you feel like you really need to separate those two things?
1: No, I, I think that the majority of my clients have read the book. So it's not like we spend the sessions talking about it, you know, um, but they will comment about certain things. And certainly I will try to apply that to their life you know, or I can say to them, you know what, something that I found really helpful in learning my story is, you know, to write down every trauma, like I talk about in the book, having to uh, write down every trauma, and then go over it with, in that case, Harry Flanagan from Pure Desire. You know, but, you know, I think that um, the days of not disclosing anything are are kind of fading. Mm -hmm. You know, I think people want real people. That they that they know have worked through things, and so uh, one of the concerns that I had, and it, it is a great question, Johnny, is you know uh, once I put this book out, what am I going to do? Because <laughs> people are going to run, <laughs> <laughs> and and <laughs> I won't have anybody to see. You know, my 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 business has has really grown tremendously as a result of being more transparent, being more vulnerable. And, yeah. and being more real, like, yep, this is what i struggle with
0: i i'm I'm so glad we got got into this, really didn't have this planned, but mm-hmm. that i I think you're right as far as that self disclosure and and for people that maybe don't have an idea of what we're talking about in, in the counseling relationship, there is a degree i don't think that those warnings came from absolutely nowhere mm-hmm. that Somebody comes in and they say, well, my dog died. Oh, my gosh, my dog died last year. And I can't mm-hmm. believe how hard that was. And they just go on and on and on about myself. And right. the client's like, but, but my dog just died. I want to talk about me. Exactly. Um, yeah. So, so that's where that's coming from. But to your point, um, people want to know that you're, you're a person. You're not. I was really trained to on you're this blank canvas. Essentially, you're I just. I was too. Yeah, it was just yeah. And I don't think that that is I'm not going to say that it doesn't work at all, but you don't get the same impact um as when you show a little bit of vulnerability and and it's you have to have a skill with it. You have to know what benefit is this going to bring my client. Exactly. I use my kids all the time and In session, and I do it. It's actually a really fun way because I will be able to disarm them. Like they might say, um, I don't know that uh, this person's not doing anything for me in my life. Mm -hmm. So, uh, Mm -hmm. should I just completely get them out of my life? And I might use and to kind of diffuse the situation. Well, my son doesn't do that much for me. Should I just get rid of him? <laughs> and uh, <laughs> just to use that, and we'll use my son as just—that's our logic battleground. There, Let, let's. That's obviously an extreme example, and they would understand that. But then we can take it back into them. But they see a human side to me. Um, yeah. It obviously I care about my son. Um, and then we can take it back to to their issue. Then- so. I love that I love that you're able to use your story and show that we're we're not blank slates we're not robots um especially with the rise of kind of a i stuff chat g p t um yeah. you know you can get that if that's what you really want, but I don't think that's what we're necessarily called to do we're 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 no. humans mm-hmm. and that's something too in my own practice um that I've actually seen with some pretty good, um, good feedback from people that like, wow, like you, you're open about, about your beliefs. I have my statement of faith that is on Mm. my website and Mm -hmm. I make sure, um, put it in bold there. You do not have to agree with the statement of faith. Yeah. This is here. This is where Mm -hmm. I'm coming from. Even on my informed uh, consent, I have that same statement of faith and have Mm -hmm do you agree with this? If not, why do you disagree with? And Mm -hmm. if you do disagree with it, are you okay being with me? Because if you are, great, let's keep going. But if not, okay, we can find you someone else. And that level of vulnerability, um, again, it's it's not just about me and my beliefs, but somebody that's looking for more of a Christian type of um, therapist, that helps them feel more comfortable in that situation. So I love the fact that you're doing that um, in a you have years of experience of how to do it appropriately. I think your clients probably benefit from from that vulnerability quite a bit.
1: Yeah, that, I think people are, are willing. What I've seen is people are willing to talk a lot more even about their addictive behaviors or addictions because they don't feel the shame.
0: Yeah. yeah, uh, And. Yeah, if I feel like it's just this person. That's giving me all these red marks. Oh, you did this wrong, this wrong, this wrong. Um, I've got it all figured out (laughs) that, yeah, that doesn't come across very well. Um, uh, Kind of on this shame, um, shame topic. There is a, there's a difference between, um, we talked about sin of, I did something wrong. I need to apologize. Mm -hmm. In that case, that guilt in that situation is actually actually a good thing, that it points me that, hey, I was wrong. I I need to write this wrong or I need to apologize. Mm -hmm. So we don't want to demonize any and all kind of those negative emotions, whatever we want to call it. But what is the danger of shame in particular if it just goes unchecked in somebody?
1: well yeah and and let me just back up for a minute. um you know, I think guilt you know is much different than shame. you know when when we look at guilt, you know, you go into a store and and you steal candy and you come out and you feel badly about it that that's a healthy feeling. you know, you have violated a store, you've violated the owner, you violated others so so that's a really healthy thing. Shame on the other side is this feeling that you're less than that there's something wrong with you and that people won't want anything to do with you and interestingly johnny in the literature the literature points to the fact that when people feel a lot of shame they go back to their addictions mm. because they want to self-medicate
0: yeah well if i'm if i'm less than I'm, I'm really not that not that important or anything then why shouldn't i why shouldn't right. i just go right. back to it right but-
1: Right. And I feel so terrible. I need to numb that, that, that
0: pain. And that's, that's another excellent opportunity too on a, on a Christian side of things of you don't have worth because of all the great things you've done because of, you know, all your accomplishments, you're made in God's image. So that that has worth. And we believe that too, not just as Christians, um, anybody. Um, anybody that the satanist that hates God, they still have worth because they're human. And, yeah, they're
1: image bearers. Yes, you know, from Genesis chapter one, they they have been created in the image of God.
0: Yes, so we need to be able to keep that side of things in mind, whether we're dealing with some of those shameful feelings, or if somebody somebody is acting wrong and and they are legitimately wrong. Um, we, we just need to be careful that uh we we're not. Putting ourselves way back above, um, and, and that we're we're way better because again we're all made in His image, and uh, we we need to keep that reminder for sure. Okay. Well, any other things that you want to throw the audience away before we wrap this up? No, I
1: I would just say that I and uh, if I haven't said it already, I'm a big proponent of getting to learn your story, and I think that we all have stories because in um. Ephesians chapter two and verse ten it says that we are his masterpiece or, or we are his handiwork. And actually in the Greek that word is poemai. We get we get the word poem or poetry from that. You know, so it's as if God is writing our story. He's writing a beautiful poem. You know, and, and so I, I just encourage people to get to know their story better. You know the the um, hard parts of it, as well as the parts that cause co- co- cause a person to feel joy.
0: Yeah, no, oh, I, I think that's a, that's a fantastic point. Um, so, where can they where can they find the book? And and is there a way that they can uh, find more information about you?
1: Yeah, so so they can uh, log on to Amazon and just look up uh, Doctor Mark McNear. Finding my words, a ruthless commitment to healing gently after trauma. And they can just go to Google and and type in uh, www.markmcnear.com, and there will be my website, and they can get in touch with me and email me from there.
0: Perfect. And I, I would encourage everyone to to check that out. I'll, I'll include some of these links down below in the description as well. But uh, yeah, it, it really is just from a whether you're a clinician uh, and kind of hearing a story about trauma just in general or just you know want to want to know what a healing process looks like it really is a great great story it's um quite quite intense but again there's hope um and I I know you and and me as well we want everyone to know that there is hope um and Definitely. this story is just a great example of that well it was absolutely great having you on I Thank really enjoyed me. the book I don't think I mentioned this earlier too um I was actually gifted this book um so uh one of the thank you for that too um you're uh, welcome even, <laughs>
1: uh,
0: it was like said a great read so um definitely check it out i'll include all those links down below and um until the next episode i hope you guys have a great week